Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. The Academy Podcast is brought to you by the Academy for Spiritual Formation, an international ministry of the Upper Room. The Academy is dedicated to creating safe space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. To learn more about our five-day and two-year retreat offerings, visit academy.upperroom.org. I'm your host, Claire McKeever-Burgett, and I serve as the Associate Director of the Academy. I'm also ordained clergy, a birth and postpartum doula, a yoga, dance, and movement instructor, a writer, a mother, a partner, a friend. We're glad you're here. In this month's episode, we hear from Bishop Hee-Soo Jung on the topic of Christianity in a global context. Born in Korea, Bishop Hee-Soo came to the United States in 1982. He holds degrees from Methodist Theological Seminary, Dongguk University Graduate School in Seoul, Korea, Pacific School of Religion, Berkeley, California, Institute of Buddhist Studies, also in Berkeley, California, and Doctor of Philosophy from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He is also a graduate of the two-year Academy for Spiritual Formation, as well as faculty for it. Bishop Hisu has served congregations in Wisconsin, California, and Texas, served as a member of the General Commission on Christian Unity and Interreligious Concerns, and continues to provide significant connectional leadership in the United Methodist Church. Helping groups develop their common vision has been a central ingredient in all of his vocational experiences. The following episode draws from Hisu's teaching on Christianity in a Global Context at an academy in Maryland in October 2007. A reminder that these recordings come from live plenary sessions, which is why you'll sometimes hear coughing, laughing, and other affirmations in the background. We've done our best to edit out distractions while also working to maintain the integrity of the real-life, in-person teaching that our spiritual guides offer illuminating the topics of liberation and compassion, and pointing to the other-centered focus of Jesus. Bishop Hisu invites us to consider what being called the beloved of God means for our lives. In here, you read James Cohn's liberation theology, black theology, Afro-American theology. That is such a great gift to claim the racial line or white premise, you know, premised line or some kind of a hubris with the color and culture as a wrong. Clearly divided it line in many, many years. Even though we destroyed a native town and then we put the beautiful church in it and we offered the glory of God. I know that's our original sin in this America. But we never come back and confess that we did it wrong. Slavery has been such a tragedy in many ways, but we still enslaved it by that theology of slaveness. So the James Cons reminded what is really spent a stretching love of God. Hmm? I know language is tough. 
Jeremiah write language is tough. Yes, but their focus is really how God working to stretching out you, your soul, my soul, church's soul, so that let God be God. Hmm? Let God be God in the realm of the ecclesias. And that's our life together. It's a beautiful way. Of course, James Cone influenced by Latin American liberation theologian. Good theories. And there's a lot of blog, and there are many theologians celebratively write about preference of God's love to the poor. Preferential love, which is because they are poor. God is loving them, especially why they are poor. Of course, there's a lot of argument. That's a too much classism. That's too much, you know, that uh, fighting spirit in it. I know you love, you... I know that you're a beautiful spirit. You don't want to go that fighting spirit, right? You don't want to go to a rough place. But it's a great true that human revelation come to the point how north and south, the regionalism, and even economical classism, that is such a messed up the God's cosmic salvation. The God's salvation, universal, cosmic, inclusive, you know, power, such a deep in in the whole human history. But in some way, Hellenistic Christianity or German continental theology or Anglo-Puritan theology or, you know, the American imperialistic theology excluded it without really honest doubt that many people's life and their destiny under their judgmental, judgmental doctrine and dogma. So in some way, this uh, liberation theology come along with a great partnership with God's spirit and saying it, that you are my beloved, you need to come and be liberated. Actually, liberation is not only for the poor. The rich, they are the one who need to be liberated. So that's why this whole thing of liberation motive become a, such a great thing. I know we did it, you know, Canticle in the morning, we Mariologi, we song, songs of Mary, we sing most of the time, or inauguration message of Jesus Christ. What is all about? That is a tremendously related with the liberation theological message. It's a pulling down, loading up, upside down, messed up. There's an upside-down kingdom, inside-out kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. And in some way, we start to stay in the lovely stained glass room window, and we sit in there, and our own return really pleased with us. But we start to build a war between the world and myself, and world and Christianity. And Christianity become a really manip- manipulative power, and even created war and created all kinds of uh, 
hazardness and become a poison. I don't think God really wants us to stay on with that narrow dogmatic view. And God is traveling, you know, God's trouble, God's wounded heart is because God wants us to be liberated. God wants us to be free. God wants us to be you as a created one. So when you read that whole juncture, it's celebration. I know there is some twist. There is some very strong you know, language that you have to wrestle with it. Feminist theology, same thing. Theologians are the artists. How are they going to bring that unreserved, that un, you know, that tattered territory? How are they going to bring it into the realm of our spirituality? I think that's why you theologian, you all spiritual director, you all journeyer, you got to read a book. There's so many things discovered in there. I know something is, you know, you feel it's not fit for me. I know you wrestle with it, but the gift is there. The Minjung theology is a Korean situation. Still, they are struggle. Even today, we're getting richer, yes, but that doesn't mean anything. They are divided in north and south. That already 60 plus years, they mother and son divided it, and husband and wife divided it. They never know where what happened and how they're gonna, you know, reunited it. Terrible things. This is cold world, still divided it, and there's lots of unreserved Han. Andrew Sung Park mentioned about Han. That Han is a very special feeling because that comes to be a power of the passionate worship to God when that reserved it. But sometimes when that ball throw in different direction, that is very destructive too. But in a way, through the historical survey and historical journey, they put that as a centerpiece for liberating people's mind and let them feel the love of God and grace of God in that journey. So I think that's why I put this whole horizontal place. This is expansion, uh, stretching out love of God, stretching out of God, hmm? stretching grace of God. I hope that in your heart, this stretching, you know, that God's action may be filled it some way. May, you know, you can, you can feel it that way. And then some way, now it's getting upper and upper. The creation theology like Matthew Fox and, you know, all different, the creative imagination it's really deepening, not only human-centered, anthropocentered, but it's the creation-centered, the God's, the love and grace and infinite, infinite grace and power will be in a justice-centered and then living harmony. That's the kind of spirituality that's coming along. An echo shift, yes, not only human-centered, but population and the, the whole universe is the hands of our duty. Beautiful place. God is infinitely loving God. Infinitely gracious. Yet God is demanding God. Infinitely gracious, yet infinitely demanding God. What a, what a God it is. Huh? God is truly accepting me, but in the behind, you got to live it out. You got to live it out, right? Hmm? 
John Hick mentioned it very tremendous way that God is infinitely gracious, yet infinitely demanding God. That's a John Hick's praise. It's a beautiful praise. And I always feel, that's it. But sometimes we are we, we really more crawling into the grace of God rather than responsibility or demand. But the Christian history reminded, you know, that through this whole week, that what a beautiful, this grace and demand, this kind of a hand in hand, through many theological investigations throughout the history and journey. That's the love. That's the transitory. That's the mysterious otherness. Hmm? In order to receive you, in order to really embrace you, in order to really loving you, in order to affirming who you are, in order to really say, you are mine and I'm not going to leave you alone. I will be with you all along. God is doing tremendously. That is here in this James, you know, that this leader's reading it that way. What a beautiful, what a beautiful, what a beautiful God. What a powerful God. In some way, so in, in this whole juncture that the movement is happening, it, because of this beautiful, the majestic God, it's such a creative and initiative and create such an innovative God. And God in Jesus Christ become a truly in a global spirituality in the context other receiving God. The God is other receiving God. And that is a truly God accepting others. I know that in Christian history, one time the others, you know, in like a Hebrew Spirituality and New Testament spirituality clearly demonstrate others are our friend. And actually, others are even angel or even savior. Even Christ in others. And then, some way that Constantinople and, you know, some constituted church start some fearful language, the pupil, conversion, be more priority. Student. They are lesser than us. They are the target that we're going to work it out and then bring them into. That's the kind of Christian propagation history. Jesus never took that way. Can't you see the Luke narrative? If you the Luke and Act narrative, even story of Peter's or story of Stephen and all the story in Luke and Acts, there's tremendous hospitality God shows through the story. Pagan. I think, uh, yes, early Christian disciples troubled to understand what is a pagan means, but Jesus never had a boundary between my disciples and pagan. Can't you find it someplace? No. Jesus embraced it all. So in some way, the story in the Bible is always embracing others. Even sometime other first. You know, that prodigal son story, waiting father the son is others, but always not the father-centered, the son-centered, right? There is so much like uh, the woman who is begging, begging for the you know, daughter's healing. Jesus, of course, refused it, but oh boy, woman say, Jesus, 
You don't know you can hear my daughter? You are able? You can do it? You can do it, right? Jesus didn't know. Woman taught him to do such a miraculous thing. I think that's so much a beautiful story because others is a center in the narrative in the whole Bible. But this Christian doctrinal is the Nicaea after, you know, that whole different confessional stand. We're defending church Christianity, defending, and then it become enemy. Others become enemy. And then what is that? We are really justified for the crusade fighting and war and, you know, the, like a demon burning and all kinds of uh, tragic history. But today, the global community is seeing again the God as other receiving God. No matter who you are, no matter what, what you are doing, you are the God's hand. What a grace. What a grace. What a powerful grace that God is constantly expanding and constantly you know, they're embracing and constantly bring the the whole others in it. You are my beloved. Come along. Be liberated. When I was 26 years old, I had the word free tattooed on my left foot. After accepting the finality of a long-term relationship and engaging in training as a NIA instructor in the areas of yoga, dance, and martial arts, it felt right to have this word permanently imprinted on my foot. Not only was I free from a relationship in which my soul was not safe to be itself, I also experienced a freedom in my mind, body, and spirit during the NIA training, one I'd never felt before. My bare feet, connected to the earth, were invited to move in ways that felt ancient yet new. My breath, sustaining my body, was invited to flow in ways that both grounded and lifted all at once. I was free. I was liberated. I was taken back centuries to when Jesus preached this liberation to people who desperately needed to hear it, and not only hear it, but believe it to be true. Somehow, someway, I heard Bishop Hisu's understanding of Jesus' invitation, You are my beloved. Come along. Be liberated. The beautiful thing about liberation is that it's not just about me and my pretty tattoo on my left foot. The words of Lilla Watson, the indigenous Australian artist, activist, and academic, ring in my ears. If you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. My tattoo reminds me of my personal liberation. And it connects me to all the ways I am not truly free until all are free. It's like Bishop Hisu, quoting Jesus, says, You are my beloved. 
come along, be liberated. And we know that the invitation is not for a few, but for all. May it ever be so. To hear more from faculty like Bishop Hee Soo Jung, who are spiritual directors, pastors, professors, authors, and experienced pilgrims and practitioners in the area of spiritual formation, join us at the next five-day or two-year academy. For more information, visit academy.upperroom.org. Thank you.